Vasu. This morning we return to the practice of settling the mind in its natural state. I want to highlight a little bit more the extraordinary parallels there are between this practice and the immeasurably deeper practice of Dzogchen, or resting resting in Rikpa, pristine awareness. Dzogchen is the view from the perspective of pristine awareness on the whole of reality. A perspective that is more fundamental than the division between samsara and nirvana and views all phenomena, including nirvana and the whole array of phenomena within samsara as being of one taste and therefore without preference. This pristine awareness is primordially indivisible from the dhamma-dhatu, or absolute space of phenomena from which all appearances manifest, into which they dissolve. And this pristine awareness or primordial consciousness, while being indivisible from the absolute space of phenomena, is also indivisible primordially from what is called in Tibetan Yeshike Lung, or the energy of primordial consciousness. So these three all indivisible, indivisible. Space, absolute space, out of which relative space-time emerges. Primordial consciousness, out of which all relative forms of consciousness emerge. And the energy of primordial consciousness, out of which all derivative forms of energy emerge, and those three being of one taste, one nature. From that perspective of Rigpa, even one's mental afflictions do not arise as mental afflictions that are seen, directly experienced, as expressions of primordial consciousness. So just to take one example, anger, when it arises, is experienced simply as primordial, mirror-like primordial consciousness. So it's not imagining that one's mental afflictions are somehow pure, intrinsically pure. They're actually seen as pure, and their manifestations are pure, which means they're not mental afflictions at all. So, that's great perfection. And now we can call this practice of settling the mind in its natural state, settling the mind in a little perfection. A little perfection. And that is, in this practice we are seeking to observe, now within this one cinema, this one local reality, of the space of our own minds, we are seeking, we are approaching to view that space of the mind and whatever arises within it from the perspective of substrate consciousness. Substrate consciousness. What are we attending to? Well, if we consider the 18 elements, the 18 datus that that constitute reality, according to basic fundamental Buddhism, there are six datus, six domains of experience of sight, sound, and so forth, and the sixth Datu, in that sixfold manifold, is Dhamma Datu, relative Dhamma Datu. The Datu, the domain of Dharma, mental phenomena. So we're attending to, we're selectively focusing on just that one domain of experience, which when we see its nature unconfigured by our conceptualizations and so forth, we see it as a substrate, space, space of the mind. And as our mind, our coarse mind dissolves, 
we are viewing that naked dharma tattu as a substrate from the perspective of substrate consciousness. So now we have the parallel between dharma tattu, ultimate, absolute space of reality, absolute space of phenomena, which is synonymous with shunyata, emptiness, being perceived by primordial consciousness. And here we have the substrate being perceived by the substrate consciousness. And these two continue on after death. It's not only this subtle continuum of mental consciousness or the substrate consciousness, but of course, wherever the substrate consciousness goes, there goes the substrate. They are indivisible. You can't take those, you can't rip them apart. Right? So what carries on from lifetime to lifetime is a continuum of consciousness, but also a continuum of space of experience, the substrate. But not just that. What also carries on is lungtamo, a subtle continuum of prana, of energy. So we see microcosm, macrocosm. Space, substrate. Consciousness, substrate consciousness. Energy, subtle energy that goes together. And those three are indivisible. So, little one, big one. Right? Likewise, when reviewing, and now this is immediately relevant to our next session, when we are viewing the space of the mind and the contents, the impulses that arise within it, sometimes you may experience anger arising. The challenge here is to view anger from the perspective of substrate consciousness. And in substrate consciousness, there is no mental affliction, no manifest mental affliction of anger. Can't, can't be there. So you view anger, you just observe its nature to the best approximation from the perspective of substrate consciousness, and you see the nature of anger as being luminosity. There's something bright when you're angry. There's something very bright very sharp, very clear. It's got a real edge to it. It's luminosity. As you're attending to the space of the mind, settling the mind in its natural state, desire, craving, attachment, lust arises. Look into its nature. You find it's blissful. Bliss is right there. And other occasions... Delusion may arise, kind of the mind gets dopey, the mind gets stupid, the mind gets dull. Look into the nature of that, brightly, luminously attend to the dullness, the ignorance, the delusion that arises in the mind, and you'll find its nature is non-conceptuality, absence of thoughts. So the three poisons, craving, hostility, delusion, when seen from the perspective of substrate consciousness, are seen as bliss corresponding to craving, luminosity corresponding to anger, and non-conceptuality corresponding to delusion. They are relatively non-toxic from the perspective of substrate consciousness. And thereby they don't afflict you. So we're settling in a little perfection. Step by step. When I was a little kid, my dad took us out on a long vacation, like one or two months driving around the Rocky Mountains, around North America. We're eating at restaurants. I was a little kid. 
I wanted a hamburger. My dad told me, Alan, you're too small to eat a whole hamburger. You can have a half hamburger. I don't want a half hamburger. I want a whole hamburger. I'm a big boy. I want a whole hamburger. He said, son, I know you do, but you're just not big enough, so you can have a half hamburger. I don't want a half hamburger. I want a whole hamburger. He said, son, I know how much you can eat, and you can either have a half hamburger or no hamburger. He said, then I'll have no hamburger. (laughs) So don't be like me. I want the great perfection. You can't have the great perfection. You're not old enough. You're not big enough. Have the little perfection. No, no, I don't want little perfection. I want the great perfection. No, 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 no. If you don't want the little perfection, then you get no perfection at all. (laughs) Find a comfortable position. Settle your body in a quality of ease, of stillness and vigilance. Settle your respiration effortlessly. Set your mind at ease, releasing for the moment all concerns about the future and the past, resting in stillness in the present moment.
Now selectively confine your attention, the luminosity of your awareness, just to the field of your body, as if all other appearances, sound, sight, and so on, have all dissolved into, withdrawn into the field of your body. leaving only this space of sensation. Let your world be this fathom-long body. which the elements of earth, water, fire, air arise from the space of the body. And settle your mindfulness without distraction, without grasping. Now shrink the field of your awareness. Contract it down to the domain of your abdomen. Where just that limited field is the field of your experience as you attend to the sensations of the in and out breath. The rise and fall of the abdomen, but attending to the bare tactile sensations with no visualization.
then elevate and further contract the field of your attention down to a bead, down to a point, right at the tip of the nostrils, the apertures are just above the upper lip, that small point where you most distinctly experience the passage of the in and out breath. Keeping your eyes soft and unfocused, your forehead open and spacious. Let your world of experience now be confined to this point of tactile sensation. And attend to the whole body of the in and out breath. continuity, sustain your mindfulness on this point of contact, this flow of tactile sensation. but also illuminate the space of your mind with the light of introspection. Clearly detecting the occurrence of laxity or excitation as soon as they arise and applying the antidote.
more brightly illuminate the space of the mind, giving a bit more attention there to noting the thoughts, the images that arise within that domain of experience, while still staying in touch with this point, this flow of tackle sensation. Now let your eyes be at least partially open, but your gaze vacantly resting in the space in front of you. When focusing on the tactile sensations of the breath of the nostrils, it's as if you have dropped the anchor of your attention in the sensory realm, the tactile view, on just one point. Now lift that anchor dissolve that point into the space of the mind. Bringing the full force of mindfulness to the space of the mind and whatever arises within it. Maintain an equality of perspective without preferring the nirvana-like silence and stillness of the space of the mind. Without preferring or being averse to the samsara of the activities of the mind, the birthing and deathing of one thought and image after another, one desire and emotion after another. Simultaneously view the space of the mind and the activities within it as being of one taste, with your awareness neither absorbed in the space nor caught up and carried away by the activities of the mind. The stain of facsimile of non-abiding enlightenment in which the Buddha's mind is neither immersed in nirvana or sucked up and absorbed in samsara.
views them simultaneously as of one nature. Likewise, view the space of the mind and its activities simultaneously, without preference, without distraction, and without grasping. Just as Rigpa, pristine awareness, is beyond coming and going, while being fully cognizant of the comings and goings of the phenomenal world, let your awareness be still, still like space, observing the comings and goings of the mind.
monitor the flow of mindfulness with introspection. Releasing, letting go, and returning in response to excitation. Arousing and focusing in response to laxity. In this way, establish your mind in equilibrium.
So where there is grasping onto an identification with the body, then you'll feel your body's in motion, moving through the world, going here and there. And likewise, when there's grasping onto the mind, then you'll feel your mind is going here and there, moving all over the place. But when you release grasping onto the body, then there's a sense of stillness and simply appearances arising and passing. And when you release grasping onto the mind, there's a stillness there and you simply have a sense of appearances arising and passing. So, as much as possible between sessions, be without grasping and stay still. Don't move. Honestly. And if that means your body stays here in the meditation hall every day, all day, that means you've misunderstood what I just said. <laughs>